welcome to the Asbury Park Vibes podcast. Asbury Park Vibes is dedicated to sharing information about the live music scene in the Asbury Park area, as well as the bands who've traveled through. We thank you for tuning in, downloading, or just stumbling upon our podcast. Welcome to the Asbury Park Vibes Podcast. My name is Diane DeMemo, and joining me tonight are Paul and Gay, members of the rock bands Ready to Break Up and the Blakes, who recently released the addicting feel-good power pop album Ready Made Blake Up with members from both bands. Thanks for joining me tonight, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, our pleasure. Good to see you. Good to meet you. Yeah, good um, to meet you too. Reading all about your past and all of the work that you've done together, and um, I almost don't know where to start. So I was thinking about it, and I thought, you don't know where to start. You start right from the very beginning. And I was going to ask okay. you both how you got into music and found each other initially before all of the music baking began. Oh my God, we're going that far back, huh? <laughs> Way back to the beginning. <laughs> as far to the beginning as you want. You, you tell me how far far ahead you want to go. <laughs> I mean. I guess we can go, I'll go to why I started. Um, I had a rough go as a young man uh, trying to fit in. Got bullied a little bit here and there. Never really found a niche, uh, but music was my niche. That was the thing that I was able to do. I was never good in sports, certainly not too good in school, but for whatever reason, I, I could play music. And, you know, I'm not a, a trained musician, but I learned enough music to play in a band. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play in a band. And that's where I kind of got things going for myself in high school, playing cover bands at first, then original bands. And then after college, got in a band that, you know, did the whole touring thing. And after that band was over, that's when I started the Blakes. So mm -hmm. Paul, do your thing. And I guess we can kind of link it up. Yeah. So I got started like a, like a lot of kids. My parents put me into piano lessons and I was probably five <laughs> or five or six years old and, uh, you know, doing my do re mis. And, um, so I stuck with it. I guess I had a little bit of a, a knack for it. And, um, but then when I was probably about 12 or 13 years old, I saw my pastor in the church that my family went to, uh, would stand up in front of the church with an acoustic guitar and sing songs and lead everybody in song. And um, when I saw that, I was real. That really kind of turned me on. I said, "Man, I want to be able to do what he's doing." Um, and so he was kind of a hero to me. And so that's when I sort of pivoted to the guitar. And um, you know, my dad took me to the guitar center. I got the same guitar that my pastor had. It was a Yamaha guitar. 
and um, he started to show me some chords and I learned a couple songs for him that he used to play in church and then I, it, it kind of just took off uh, from there you know I just became obsessed with with guitar and I got all the guitar magazines and was and I was just kind of off and running um, and then yeah we you know ended up playing in bands in high school and college and um, eventually toward Toward the end of college is when I met uh, GE, and our story began. Wow, you did take it far back. Yeah, I only went to like fifteen. You went to five. I went to five, man. I mean, listen, if we're what better place to start than the very beginning? And you, you were probably getting bullied because of your piano playing, whereas <laughs> I played music to stop getting bullied. Dude, I got I got bullied. I don't know why. I don't know if it was the piano lessons probably didn't help. No, um, but <laughs> no. yeah, I certainly, uh, certainly, uh, endured my fair share of, of bullying too. So one of my yeah, favorite, since we're all the way back there in childhood, one of my favorite questions to ask is, is there any kind of music that your parents or an aunt or an uncle at that young age introduced you to? Were they listening to something that you really like still like to this day? See, my parents, so my mom listened, as far as I could tell, like listened to zero music. She just had no, she just didn't care and didn't listen to any music at all. Um, my dad was a huge, huge jazz fan. And he just had like hundreds and hundreds of vinyl records that he used to play. That's like the soundtrack to my childhood, like all Blue Note, John Coltrane records. So I got into rock and roll as like, a rebellion from all that um, and so uh, yeah but it's but and I still listen to, to jazz stuff to this day um, but yeah that was the music I heard when I was when I was young it's kind of interesting because my mother and uh, listened to like Elvis Costello Yes, I you know I remember her playing those records. My dad was a uh, guitar player as well, and he would play a lot of Beatles songs and sing me Beatles songs as a young kid. And I went to, of course, hair metal to <laughs> to rebel from that. Um, but now, naturally, I've, I've everything has come full circle and love the bands that they listened to when I was a kid. Right, right. And do you feel that that? music from your past has influenced the way you compose and sing and harmonize with each other? Sure. I mean, the Beatles yeah. is a, obviously a big foundation to our, our musical, musical partnership. Well, um, oh, go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, we, sh we shared a couple of key bands when we first met up in common. We loved the Beatles. We loved Queen. We loved this band Jellyfish, a very like kind of an underground cult power pop band. Um, and so, yeah, there were those are, there were like a few key bands that we both really loved. And um, yeah, that informed our collaboration. Jellyfish being the key, that was the big influence. That was when the Blake Scott started. I was playing in a pop punk band, playing bass in that band for five or six years. The producer of that band was a big Jellyfish fan, and he knew that I was a big Jellyfish fan. 
that producer put me in touch with his old guitar player. This is, they played in a band called American Angel, which was a New Jersey band, pretty popular New Jersey band as well from, I guess, the early 90s. Their band had ended. My band, Kid With Manhead, was ending. And uh, he put us together with our mutual love of Jellyfish. We got that band going. Again, it was going to be no apologies, over the top, power pop, owed to the love of Jellyfish. Uh, and we had the drummer from his old band, but we needed a singer. And uh, my friend was playing around with this group with uh, some college kids. Now, I don't know if you picked up on this, but Paul is 10 years my junior. Mm-hmm. So we went to see my friend's uh, band and we're like, wow, you know, the singer's really good. And we got their demo and listening to that, I was like, wow, this is really good. But there was one song that the bridge to that song had this giant over the top Beach Boys harmony. And I was like, oh, this could be the guy. He's in my friend's band, but he could be the guy. So I approached him kind of like kind of snaked his number off my friend. And they're like, yeah, dude, I just want to talk to to your singer about maybe doing this recording project. And it was going to be just a recording project at first. So we kind of got Paul on board under the, not guys, but under those pretenses. But as things were were going with the recording, we felt like we were onto something and it started to take more of our attention and uh, became our full-time thing. And, you know, we convinced uh, Paul to come on board full-time and, and he did. So you felt that connection? I'm sorry, my dog, dog is joining us. Hey, doggy. <laughs> yeah. What yeah, happened? Right. Did he have like a surgery or something? Yeah, and he has a little cone of shame on. He's not supposed to be up here, but uh, he's uh, gonna, I'm sorry for the interruption. Shame oh, on you. Good. Shame what on is, you, dog. Golden, all the horrible things. Is that I'm a golden done. retriever? What is that? Golden retriever, yeah, yeah. He's a good boy, Cooper. So, hey, Cooper. Uh, <laughs> looking at you. Um, so, so you both kind of felt a connection with each other. And let's just like, you know, um, for our listeners, like explain um, your progression through your bands, if you can, for me. Uh, you started with the Blakes, and that was what year? Blakes Start- was 2000. Um, was it two? 2002? What, what, what noise is that, dude? Um, that? The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Blakes was. The Blakes was two. It started in two thousand one. I remember it was right after nine um, eleven because Pete had written some lyrics to one of the songs, and it seemed like they were songs about nine eleven. You sang those lyrics as well. Oh no, maybe you didn't. Maybe you re- rewrote that song. But that's that's always why I know the Blakes started in two thousand one. Uh oh, Paul's walking. There he goes. I got I got a <laughs> got a charge my uh, got to grab a charge of him. That, that's also what he does. Uh, he, he walks and talks and his, his phone uh, goes dead in the middle of a conversation. So what, what were we saying? Yeah, the Blakes started in 2001. The Blakes was over in, you know, I don't even know if we were a full two years, but we were over in 2003, uh, the, su- the summer of 2003, right in the middle of recording the follow-up to New Tattoo. Uh, things just really kind of imploded with that band. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. Go ahead. So from that band, you know, Paul and I obviously knew we wanted to keep working together. Uh, You know, we obviously did have the the musical connection and we started Ready Made Breakup with the idea of kind of taking an about face from the musical philosophy that we had with the Blakes. 
Blake's was over the top power pop. The next was going to be a little more, you know, kind of, I don't want to use the word edgy, but I don't have a very good vocabulary. So I'll just say edgy, uh, a little more edgy, a little more indie, a little less poppy. And uh, we we're going to go the opposite direction. So we started the, the Blake's, I'm sorry, we started Ready Made Breakup in 2003. That band went till 2011. I mean, do you want to fill in any of the blanks with, with Ready Made? Sure. <laughs> you yeah. want Paul to? Yeah, yeah, I just heard myself talk long enough. <laughs> Plus, so, while I'm, I'm talking, I'm like looking at myself and I'm making all these weird faces. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not crazy about this new lighting situation I'm in here. Yeah, you got a good lighting situation. <laughs> okay, so what are we filling in? We talk, we're talking about uh, ready-made. I just kind of said ready-made started in 2003. Do you want to say anything about with a different philosophy? What, what would you like to right, enlighten right. everybody about ready-made in our means, eight or nine years as a band? Uh, yeah, so ready-made, it's kind of like, I feel like I was probably personally a little bit scarred from the Blake's sort of, you know, <laughs> crash and burn. And so we just held on tight to that next one, or at least I did. And for like a decade plus, we just stayed together and we just kept at it. Um, and so, and ironically, like, I think we kind of, I, I don't know if we did this deliberately. I don't think we did. The name Ready Made Breakup kind of came about very organically. But in the back of my mind, I think it was a little bit of a, I was just a little um, like uh, burnt from the the Blakes falling apart, like a band that had so much potential and then just collapsed in on itself. So um, Ready Made Breakup, of course, didn't break up at all. It still really hasn't. We never like officially said it's done. We just kind of like went on and on and on and on until we just petered out. Um, but I mean, those were, that was for me, like the band, <clears throat> excuse me, like the band experience in my twenties, we're in the van, we're touring around, you know, we're just like out there doing it, making records, meeting, meeting people, going on adventures, just like chasing the dream, you know? And so I'm just grateful for that, you know, that period of time we got to do it. We get, we really got to do it. And, um, you know, it didn't bring riches or fame or anything like that. I don't know that we ever even wanted that. Um, I wanted that. You wanted that? Yeah, I wanted that. I don't think I ever really wanted that. At least um, the riches. I wouldn't have turned it down, but I don't think I was going <laughs> after it. Um, but we just had a ball. I mean, I just have so many great memories of that, of that time. Um, just that feeling of like, Anytime we just get, it, it was it was literally like driving away from all your cares and worries when we would get into that van and and just just pull out of the rehearsal space off to a string of shows. It was just it's good, but you know you can't run away forever. So now now we're back home, we're good. <laughs> yeah, we're not going anywhere now. Well, I, you know, I like I like, I'm sorry, I like the way the two of you, though, you know, you found your connection with each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, you know, it's not an uncommon tale for bands to uh, change it up, to, you know, to break up, to morph into something new. And But the, the chemistry that you two have seems to have been what uh, just, you know, kept the, um, 
I don't know, the music coming between the two of you. You just keep adapting to the circumstances. I guess that's the best way to put it. And, um, and each time you do that, from the Blakes to Ready Made Breakup, and I know you had a few other side projects, mm -hmm. uh, you're producing a new sound that you know, is a little bit different, like you said, a little bit of a different sound from the Blakes and Ready Made Breakup, but also having some of those uh, similar characteristics, characteristics. As a matter of fact, I was going to ask you, from your perspective, um, the creative process, you know, how is it different from the bands and what do you feel you do the same? In, you know, I know you had the one album with the Blakes and then you have your three albums with Ready Made Breakup. Um, was the creative process very different for those two bands? I mean, yeah, the creative process has almost been different from record to record. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the and actually in how we recorded them, the Blake's record was very, you know, um, it was all of us together kind of writing. We each pitched in songs. We started to see that, wow, Paul, like I could write, Pete could write, we wrote, but Paul could really write. Like he was really capable of doing what we wanted to do as a band. So he started to, you know, kind of take the center stage and how it's pretty much gone since then is Paul will bring a song and we'll just kind of pitch in our ideas. Whatever band it's been has, you know, had uh, kind of a liberty to do what they want to do, definitely on our instruments, but we also kind of steer the songs in our own directions as well. But it's always, you know, it's Paul's song, we do our thing. You know, it's, I wouldn't say Paul's song. I like to consider it part of my song as well, but that's how it goes. But each kind of record has had a different philosophy, a different approach to it. We recorded the Blake stuff at home. Uh, with a producer we did it like literally in the living rooms kitchens what have you um, the next time we went into a studio different producer the first ready-made record and that kind of had a singer song writer feel then the opposite direction we went for more of like a kind of a bluesy rock feel and we recorded that one at all then we went kind of like all the way first full circle and did a power pop record and we got our buddy from the blakes to come in and record it and we had that kind of feel then with the Vice Rags, that was more of a garage rocky kind of feel, and we attacked it that way. But you know, Paul, as the songwriter, why don't you uh, why don't you kind of give your mentality, your yeah, approach? I mean, that like the the process has always been basically the same. I bring in a song, um, but I think over over the years, I've definitely gotten more like open-minded about collaboration. I remember in the early days, like I was very sort of controlling and possessive <laughs> of the idea. These are my songs, you know, and I, th I think they are my songs. I take, I, I'm, I'm proud of them and, and I take ownership of them. And, but I've been, I've gotten a lot more just um, open, open-minded about collaborating and, um, you know, <clears throat> it was like a source of tension in the early days of the Blakes, because like he said, some, you know, he did he did writing and some of the other guys did writing. And I just I was I, I was very much like um, into my own stuff, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like not, you know, I don't know. I, I just I just was possessive of like the role, the, the role of songwriter. I guess I still am to a degree, but. Um, I guess I, I, I definitely am more into collaboration 
and especially with the the vice rags um it's the same deal you know i'll still bring in a song idea but um more so than any other band you know i'll bring in lyrics and melody and chords but we really will sort of discover the arrangement and the dynamics and the different parts intros and outros and the whole presentation of the song is something that's very collaborative with the vice rags which i love that that discovery with some of the early bands like er, with the blakes and with early ready-made it was just like here's the song now like ge you write a bass part and pete you write a guitar part and Thuman, you write drum parts it's it's, it's a lot more you know the guys in the rags all do that but we also kind of like create the whole arrangement and presentation of the song as a as a band and um that happens through through just like jamming which we never did with any previous band like our bands weren't into jamming we used to laugh at like yeah well j like jamming was like corny to us or something you know like we were, we were always into crisp tight pop songwriting you rock you you get in you rock and you're out um and there's just a more of a loose kind of feel with with the rags which i just find really exciting because it's kind of different every time you know mm -hmm. makes for better live shows too yeah sure now um just a quick side note the vice rags do you still create together is that I guess you said nothing's shut down. There's always that possibility, but do you get together once in a while and create right now? I mean, we haven't because of the pandemic, but um, just literally yesterday, <clears throat> we hadn't really talked in like weeks, if not months. And then we, we started talking about um, mixing a song that we tracked over a year ago and, and putting that out as a single. Um, and we've, al we've always talked about like, hey, when, when, the time is right we're going to get back together again and, and do some more recording so um yeah we're, we're definitely gonna we're, we're not done yeah the vice in 2019 the vice rags was also getting set to record our follow-up to the debut but just a bunch of life stuff and personal stuff kind of like you know sideline that band for a while it was always our intention to get back to it and i think we will get back to it uh, we also been kicking around demos over the past year as well, kind of like working on stuff at home. Um, but it was the band kind of going on, you know, hiatus that opened the door for us to go back and do the ready-made Blake up stuff. Which so that created that opportunity. Which leads us perfectly into the meat and potatoes of our conversation, ready-made Blake up album. Um, yeah. So, oh yeah. That's what we're talking about. That's what we yeah. Can, yeah. yeah. I'm good for the segue, dude. Yeah, yeah, perfect segue. But, uh, you know, um, for our listeners who aren't aware that, you know, you had some songs when you were both members of the Blakes um, that mm -hmm. finished. Uh, you, you created the album New Tattoo. You came out with that album but never got to finish the other songs. And they've been sitting, from what you said, um, under your bed for quite some time, 17 years to be exact. Um, mm -hmm. Came back to them recently and with members of both the Blakes and Ready Made Breakup and put them into a new album with members from both bands uh, to create the album Ready Made Blake Up. Um, mm -hmm. So what 
prompted you to revisit these songs? What was the inspiration or was it something you had always planned you were going to do eventually? We didn't always plan it, but they've been sitting under my bed for so long. When Ready Made first ended, I started like kind of poking around to see if there'd be the interest. Like, hey, do you guys want to get together and finish these up? You know, as we talked about kind of off camera, uh, the Blakes started with me and my buddy Pete, but unfortunately along the way, you know, we parted company with Pete. And that was always kind of, you know, kind of a wrong that I wanted to try to write or just something like kind of wanted a different kind of closure. Mm-hmm. And also wanted to make fun, uh, make fun, make uh, music with Pete again. So this this was a great opportunity for us to kind of go back to the Blakes without actually being in the Blakes again. So poked poked the bear a little bit to see if there'd be interest, and there was interest, but scheduling was always a problem. So, you know, I was bringing this up in 2011, and then a couple of years would pass, and I'd kind of broach the subject again, and everybody was like, "Yeah, that sounds great," but never really great enough to actually go in and kind of spend the money or dedicate the time. And then for whatever reason, I guess just the opportunity was there in 2019 and everybody had some time, or at least I thought because Pete said he was on board initially, but scheduling again became a nightmare with him, which is what led to the whole scenario where we got in, started recording, Pete was going to be involved, but then he had a hard time getting in the studio to the point where it was like, man, these things aren't going to get finished again. So what am I going to do? Just like now put 75% finished or whatever demos under my bed again. Well, I could always call up Jim and Maddie from ReadyMade and see if they want to kind of help bring it across the goal line. They did. And naturally when they were in the process of recording, Pete showed up and <laughs> he, and he's, you know, and then he did the two songs, which became, well, what do we have here? Is it, the Blakes? Is it ready-made? It's a little bit of both. So, you know, maybe not so inspired or uh, clever, but ready-made Blake up. Oh, I love it. I love, I love the title. Um, Great. I am, I am very, um, I, I get a little possessive. We, we get so many requests for interviews and I always listen to the music of everyone who requests, but I'm, as editor of Asbury Park Vibes, uh, I get to pick which ones I want to do. And I heard the album, and I love it. Yay. And I'm, I'm going to talk with these guys. Uh, I just, uh, it is such a feel-good sound. I, I, and I'm a writer, and I was thinking about it before we talked with each other, and I'm like, how would I characterize the sound or the genre of this album? And I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Um, mm-hmm for the fact that it makes me feel good when I listen to it. It has that effect. Um, how would you characterize it? I, I know I don't want you to force yourself into one genre, but what do you feel it it embraces? Like, you know, what, what genres does it bring in? Paul, that's all you do. Um, so I always thought it was pop, just like big pop. Um, not pop like current radio pop, but more like the classic kind of 70s pop, um, pop rock, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the genres all sound kind of boring, pop rock or power pop, but <clears throat> um, I don't have a better like title for it. I don't know. But that makes me happy to, you know, to hear that it feels good. 
It does. Because that's all that really matters. I mean, I'm a huge Beatles fan. I mean, just I'm all about the Beatles. And it just evokes that same emotion in me that I used to feel. Well, I still listen to them all the time. But, um, you know, the emotions that, that their songs evoke for me, I get from I get from uh, your music and in this album in particular. So it was interesting that you said before uh, about the Beatles and them being an influence. Um, oh my uh, God. Have you seen uh have you seen the trailer for get back with the Peter Jackson? I have not. Diane, I'm going to blow so your good. mind. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's crazy. They have something like 50 or 60 hours of, footage if you can believe this that we've never seen i don't know how that's even possible either <laughs> they cleaned it all up and it's amazing and and it's super raw like because it's like probably the reason we've never seen it is it's like b-roll like it what it's not like prime footage but you now see it's like very raw and behind the scenes and so you feel like you know them like you're getting to actually know them even better than you've even known them to this point. I'll send you the trailer. It's only like five minutes, but it's awesome. Yeah. Anytime there's any kind of visual, any kind of video of any of them, I'm, I'm glued. It's so good. I yeah, can never just, get enough. The trailer alone is, is captivating. And I think when Peter Jackson CGI some orcs in there, like biting uh, Ringo's head off, then we're really going to have something. <laughs> Peter yeah. Jackson, Lord of the Rings, people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm going to chat you now, Diane, here. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Boy, that was quick. <laughs> wow, that was quick, Paul. Well, yeah, we draw on Beatles references heavily, especially when we were going back in the studio, the one song, Trouble and Opening Up. We did some you know, embellishing on all these songs. We added quite a bit on top of what was there, but that was one where it was like, man, this kind of starts pretty abruptly. What if we kind of, and again, not directly, but what if we gave it a, a day in the life kind of feel? So hence, that's the opening that we added. But yeah, I mean, we, we point to the Beatles all the time in our music. Yeah. Who's in the back there? I see the clinch book, which is Eddie Vedder. And then is that Bruce in the middle? Oh, right in the middle. That's my, um, that's my picture of um, Dave Matthews. Oh, okay. Love Dave. Matthews, and then this is the book of Jim Marshall's pictures. Um, but Dave Matthews, oh yeah, I got to shoot him in Asbury Park, uh, the See Here Now Festival, and he was he gave me a good look there. <laughs> oh, you took that shot? I did. I can't oh. see it. Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Give me That's a good cool. look. Yeah, he's a, uh, he was very he he hammed it up for the camera for sure, but um. <laughs> Dave is yeah. cool. I like Dave. Hey, he can be kind of hammy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, oh, so many stories. Um, this is really fun talking to you guys. I sent uh, I sent you interview questions, but I'm totally, like I said, going off script. So um, this always happens. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I just think that part of the great story of this album not only are these songs um you know just so like i said feel good songs but just the idea of perseverance and coming back to something that has been you know maybe in the back of your mind for so long and to 
have the perseverance and the gumption to go back at it and like, you know, we're, damn it, we're going to finish this. And, and you did, and it's, and it's good. Uh, that must, what does that feel like for you finally? I mean, it felt great. It felt great playing with everybody again. We hadn't made music with Pete and uh, whatever that was, 17 years. Uh, even Jim and Maddie, uh, it had been quite a bit of time and didn't know if we'd ever play with Jim again. So it, it was awesome getting to hang out with those guys again and, and laugh and reminisce and make music. And and they played so well and they brought such a, such a great, like, presence to the music and, and contribution it, it exceeded my expectations you know I was just happy to get it done and then it came out better than I could have imagined so the whole experience was it, you know it just it couldn't be happier you know and this is all really a testament to GE GE was the mastermind behind this whole thing it never would have happened if he didn't essentially drag us all kicking and screaming <laughs> i mean <laughs> you know not that we it's the kind of thing where yeah yeah everybody kind of like um we we always joke about seeing ourselves rocking you know like everybody yeah. sees themselves rocking you're always imagining what you could do you know this album you could put out the book you could write the movie you could make whatever it is you know <clears throat> so we all see ourselves rocking but GE is one tenacious son of a gun. Let me tell you, even from when back when we first met, he called me and left a voicemail. I thought it was a little odd, a message from this stranger, gay Elvis. I don't know about this. He called again. He called. He had to call me like four or five times before I finally called him back. And that that tenacity, honestly, we have whatever semblance of a career we've managed to have, we owe in large part to his tenacity because he's the guy that just doesn't doesn't uh he doesn't give up and he happens to be very wow. charming and so he gets away with it and um <laughs> he, he he pulled it off once again so you know and now that we've done it i i i like so there was me on one level i was kind of getting dragged just because you know life is complicated you have things we have families and things to take care of and, and there's there's that level right of like it's hard to just get anything done find the time but also honestly like it's kind of like looking back at old pictures of, of yourself that you're like a little scared to look back at your old like fashions or your old like <laughs> whatever. And I kind of I'm not into looking back really that much because I'm almost like afraid of what I'm going to see. And um, so I resisted on that level, too. And um, I'm just so glad that he pushed it over the finish line because now I am so happy that we have it and I'm so glad that it's just another chapter in the story and it everything from the sound to the songs to the art and the story and everything I'm just so so grateful for it so definitely uh, got to push yourself or find people who will push you and and just like you know just just to do everything you can to get these kind of projects over the finish line because it just feels really good. It's hard. It's hard to do, but it feels really good <laughs> when you can pull it off. Yeah. I mean, coordinating everyone. Now, when you recorded, did you record together in a studio or were you recording tracks separately and, and putting them together? 
Well, we used the basic tracks, obviously, from 2017, but then, no, we were in the studio. Everybody's in the studio, and, uh, you know, when we could be, we'd all be there at the same time. Didn't always permit that, but, uh, yeah, we were right back at it. Awesome. So, um, now, as far as the different bands, um, do you see yourself with any one of them performing live anytime in the future, like performing again? on stage definitely i mean i wouldn't say definitely but most See, this is how, this is where i have to drag him he yeah. drags me into the studio i drag him onto the stage yeah we have we have a yin and yang kind of relationship for sure but yeah you know it's funny i will be 50 years old in uh in april of this year and every step along the way i've thought like Oh, uh, well, I'm not going to be making music in my 30s. You know, that's not going to happen. Like, what's saying that as a young man? And then, like, nah, no, all right, well, not going to happen in my 40s. And here I am. And it's like, oh, yeah, of course I'm going to be making music in my 50s. So I can't imagine that at some point we won't find the band on the stage at some point. Right. I certainly hope so. Dude, I remember when we first uh, when we first met, and yeah, I was probably about twenty, and you were about thirty, and uh, we were at uh, like that IPO show, I think it was in the city, um, and we saw some some band playing the guys who were probably in their forties. Uh. <laughs> I I had like a backward baseball hat on, a white T-shirt tucked into his like. 80s Wrangler jeans with some New Balance sneakers on. Just I can like, picture the dude right now. Just like don't, we, he was just donkey kicking around the stage. We're like, we're never gonna do that. We'll never be donkey kickers, and we're and now we're 40 year old donkey kickers. We're do, we're donkey kickers. We're totally donkey kickers, and we'll get up on stage, and two other dudes will look at us and be like, oh. I do not want to be those guys. Please tell me I'm not going to be those guys one day, right? And you will. You will. Yeah. It's too old. Keep it in your life because it makes you happy. Don't you know? Don't ever give it up. You guys have a lot to contribute. We want to hear more. Well, that's just it. It just still makes me so damn happy. You know, like I, I still just enjoy being in the studio and recording. And you know, I I love Paul's music and his voice and his writing as much as I have, as uh, much as I did the first day. Uh, and you know, I could just be happy doing this till. Uh, I mean, definitely not in my 60s, but probably. <laughs> <laughs> not a chance. Yeah, not a chance. Yeah, not a chance. Not a chance. You have to go as long as Kiss does. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a little too long. <laughs> They're amazing, though. Uh, have you ever seen them? Live? Yeah, once. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, we I mean, saw listen. them together, right? We were at PNC. Yeah. Yes, we were. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a card carrying member of the Kiss Army. Yep, I, I never was really into them until my husband, you know, dragged me to my first concert many many years ago, and I just think that there's no one that performs like them. The stage presence and it's just an experience. It's not a show. It's it, no, it, it that it is for sure. So um okay, so let's move on to um actually segue right into something a little side question i have what's the best concert you ever attended and why oh i know i know what mine is what is it mine 
is uh, this band, Oh My God. Ah, all right. Which um, we were actually on tour in Chicago. And we the were Blakes. setting up the Blakes. The Blakes only tour. The Blakes only time we took this van out. Yeah. And we were setting up for a gig in Chicago in the back of a burrito joint. And this music was playing over the PA that was just like incredible. It was big sort of like lush piano sounding pop, but it was like also had an edge and it was, it had like grit and like balls to it. And the vocalist was amazing. I went up to the sound guy, I'm like, who is this? He said, they're called, oh my God, they're actually a local band from Chicago. I went out the next day to a local record shop, got the album, we listened to it constantly. We all fell in love with this music. And then when we finally saw them, they were on tour. We saw them in um, in uh, Manhattan, Lower East Side, Arlington's Grocery. Were you at that show, Elvis? Yeah, dude. Yeah, okay, right. So we we're there. You think, you, think uh, you did something without me? I, I mean, what was I thinking? I know Barry was exactly. there, right? Barry was there. Yeah. So me, you, and Barry, I think we were probably like, there There were probably five five people there in the mm -hmm. whole club. I mean, there's nobody there. And we're, we just couldn't wait to see this band. And they came out and it's a, it was a trio. Um, this, this singer, this wild ass singer, an organ player and a drummer. And they just just blew blew my mind they were they were they were just insane so like theatrical so bombastic and the way they would like stop and start in the set and he it, it it's difficult to describe but i can tell you this we walked out of that club and i looked at barry and i was like oh my god like now i know why it's oh my god because all i can say is oh my god i can't <laughs> believe what we just witnessed Wow. And we would go on, we would go on to see them many more times, play with them. We actually became friends with them and played and, and did some gigs with them. They and, played the um, ready-made release show. Yeah. But they are just incredible. A, no band like them. No band like them. Very interesting. I'm going to look them up. Yeah. It's called, yeah. The, the song that got me is called Torture. Huh. Mm. Check it out. How about you? Uh, jellyfish at the Stone Pony in, uh, oh God, I don't remember when that was, 93, 94, whenever it was. I remember a friend of mine had talked to me about Jellyfish, you know, knew I liked the Beatles, and he was like, you know, you really should give this band Jellyfish a chance. Uh, went in one ear and right out the other, and he's like, hey, dude, this band's playing at the Stone Pony. Just let's go check them out. And um, I was like, all right, cool, we'll go. We'll go. So we went. You know, I see him for the first time and I look and the drummer is the lead singer and he's stand up there all set up one, two, three, four across the, the, the stage and the drummer's got a drum kit and he's playing standing up. And I was like, oh, wow, that's wild. And then they break into a song called All is Forgiven. It's just bombastic drum beat. He's singing his, his heart out and then they stop and they hit this harmony and it just like sent me to heaven and hearing them sing. And then throughout the rest of the set, I was just transfixed and 
the harmonies, the melodies, the songs. It was like nothing I'd ever heard before, nothing I'd ever seen before. And I was hooked from that point there. And Jellyfish is probably still my favorite band to this day. Stories, guys. Um, you know, you, you touched upon the harmonies and that affecting you. Uh, that's what I love about your music, especially um, a lot of bands I find, I've said this before, so I'm repeating myself over other podcasts, but I, I, I feel that it, it just makes for so much of a better song when you have more than one, you know, good singer in a band and you can have those layered harmonies. It just adds <laughs> so much to a song. I mean, is that one of your, would you consider that one of your trademarks or when you write a song, um, do you say, now we have to find a place to put the, some harmonies in here? Yes and no. Um, I'm always looking to sing. So I'm always, <laughs> I'm always looking for my spot for the harmonies. Uh, probably yes in the Blakes. I mean, that was something we definitely by design, like, okay, let's stack up those harmonies, you know, and choruses, oohs, ahs, verses, pads of vocals. That's something we definitely made a concerted effort to make sure it was, you know, the song was layered with those vocals. But, you know, I, I enjoy singing, so I like to, to sing on the songs when I can, when it's appropriate. It, you know, now that we're, the Vice Rags is not so harmony conscious, but we still find our spots for them for sure. Oh, without a doubt. Now we got, <clears throat> we got, uh, we make a great sound together, I think, our voices. I really, I've always liked it. It's the blend. That's, it's like my father-in-law. There you go. My father-in-law. <laughs> my father-in-law is a old. He's a <clears throat> old school doo-wop singer. He used to. He grew up singing on street corners in Newark, and he went on to. <clears throat> he worked with like Frankie Valley and other other um, other names, and he's an amazing singer. The the best singer I know actually. Mm -hmm. Um, it taught me a lot about singing, but he's always like. He's like, you know, it's all about the fucking blend. Oh, he's Italian, like old old school Italian. <laughs> it's all about the fucking blend. And you and Elvis got a fucking blend, let me tell you. So we got the blend, you know? Got the blend. <laughs> I love it. Now, do you have a favorite song between the two of you that you've recorded? You've recorded a lot of music together. Is there one that is really near and dear to your heart out of all of, of the ones that you've produced? Hmm. I have to think about, about that. I mean, God, it's hard to say. It really is. Especially because they're different groups and you probably have different favorites for, yeah. you know. I, but I wonder if one in particular had a, you know, a special meaning to you. Or do the lyrics have, you know, actually I was going to ask about the lyrics in um, you know, now. When you went back to record them, were the lyrics the lyrics were already written? Did you change them at all when you no. came together? No. So it was like so now some of them seem very personal and, and seem to be, you know, touching upon um, you know, life situations. Did it just mm -hmm. like rushing back, you know, when you revisited these songs and you know, no, I don't know that the old feelings <clears throat> came back. It was you know, again, this is part of like that, like that, that like kind of the pain of like looking back, almost like, you know, looking at your teenage diary entries or something like that. You're so like dramatic and lovelorn. And like, that's where I was 
<clears throat> at the time, like I was going through a breakup when I wrote those songs, first serious relationship really. And so most, if not all of the, these songs came out of that. And, um, and so, you know, like looking back, it's like kind of, I couldn't write those songs now, you know, like they, you could only write that kind of stuff when you're 21 and heartbroken, you know what I mean? And so um, I didn't change a thing. Um, and I just, I actually didn't even sing. We used a lot of the original vocals. I didn't sing a lot of new, um, most of this stuff was sung 17 years ago. Um, if I did need to go in and, you know, Am I right, or did I re-sing this stuff? You re-sang two songs. One okay. song you did actually have to write two lines for, I All think. Right. So I'm so I'm totally. What am I saying? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm only like half paying attention because <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think of a favorite song which I've got. Well, okay. So so all right. In that case, you know, I I, I can't say that. Um, I can't say I was like. Uh, you know, feeling the same way or that it all came back to me, but I did try to sing and put my heart into it, you know? Um, and so, um, you know, and just try, try to try to put my heart into it. That's always what I'm trying to do when I'm singing, you know, not, like I said, not that I could like write that stuff again. Um, but, uh, or I guess I had to maybe patch in a couple lines here and there. Um, but um, yeah, there it's real, it's personal and, um, you know, if you feel like it was, if you're feeling that, then that makes me happy because I want, I want it to be personal and I want it to connect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting when you were saying it, it's feel good music. I definitely feel that too. But when you like kind of look at the lyrics or kind of, uh Oh, low battery for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, when you look at the lyrics, they're all about like, breakup and what have you so it's all coming from i guess this source of of sadness but it, yeah. i still it's still like the music's kind of upbeat and uh you know very poppy so it does give you that kind of feel good take on it as well and it gives you some optimism you, you hear the lyrics and you know yeah. that the situation is painful or you know but but the 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 tempo of the music makes it feel like it's going to be okay yeah, well that's my man right there is uh He's a glass half fuller, that's for sure. <laughs> did you come up with your favorite song, GE? I did. It's Erased from uh, LP3, a ready-made uh, album. Really? Dude, I love that song. I mean, which I love is, it too, it, but I can't believe it's number one for you. Which was a thorn in my side, too, because when we went in to do it, we had rehearsed it. It was an old song, or we played it for probably a year and a half or however long it was before we went in the studio. Rehearsed it, had everything tight, had everything ready to go. We got in there, we recorded, and Paul's like, I want to play it totally different. And I was like, oh, dude, we're in the studio now. But he played it totally different, and, uh, you know, he did his, his thing. We just kept our drums and bass, but you played your part totally different. And then we took the vocals, and, oh, my God, did we stack them to the ceiling. But the lyrics – or, I'm sorry, the vocals and the melodies changed. And, my word, uh, that song – takes you on a journey from the minute you get on it, takes you, you know, at a different place. You left off in a different place from where you started. I just think that song's great. I I got it. I, I got mine. What's yours? I got mine. Now see, Diane, I don't think you're 
you're even uh, up to speed on this little corner of ready-made story. Don't you say re- anything <laughs> off of live with it. Are you going to say live with it? So, so here's the thing. Oh, GE likes to put it like we only had three albums, but we've three done albums. more than three albums. We've done more, and we did an we did an EP um, <clears throat> after the actually the last thing that we did was this EP. It's a six song EP. It's called Live with It, and my favorite song mm-hmm. is, is on you that it's the opening <laughs> track, and it's called Kiss My Ring. This song kills. Listen to this song when you get a chance. And um, it kills my ears, is what it does. <laughs> I like the way you guys, you just, you do have a yin yang thing going on there. <laughs> no, we're like an old married couple. And this song is actually great. I just, I like poke at that record a lot because we recorded it without any rehearsal. Our drummer Spicy had moved to Texas at that point. He was coming in town uh, and we're like, what do, we, what do you want to do? Let's go in the studio. Paul sent us six recordings for, you know, six really quick hit songs, like quick, you know, very short songs. So we rehearsed them on our own, went in the studio, we played them three times each. That was like, Paul had the rules of the, of the day. And they were, we're gonna play these three times each, take the best take from, from each one. We did something um, different that day. We tried something out where Paul sang in the room in the room with the drums. So when we went to mix it, it was very challenging, and it um, it gave the song, it gave the album kind of a garagey feel, which for me, like that's not the ready-made feel that I like. But those guys love it, and because they love it, I will continuously poke at it. <laughs> So I, I have a question for you guys. I'm leading you right into someplace, um, and you'll find out where it is. But what? Hold on for a second, Paul. You all right over there? You look like I just upset you with that talking about live with it. <laughs> oh, you good? No, no, no. I could. I saw. You were smiling, and now you're not smiling. Come on, there you go. There he is. No, there I know. I, right. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. You, I mean, you you started it. <laughs> What do you two think the benchmark is for a great music? Think about the ones that you think are great. What do you what makes them great to you? Great music? Yeah. Great musicians, you said? Great, yeah. Like, you know, if there's like a favorite, like, you know, an inspirational musician you hold in high esteem, why is it that that musician is held in such high esteem for you? What is it about them? Well, there's so many, there's so many, I guess, things, things that come to mind. But one, one thing that sticks with me is I love Ray Charles. Ray Charles is one of my favorite artists, definitely one of my favorite singers. And I remember reading the liner notes on one of the LPs of his. The writer was talking about his music and saying, <clears throat> and this was probably 10, uh, maybe 10-ish years ago that I read this, <clears throat> I'd already been singing and, and writing songs for quite some time. And it said in the liner notes, something like, you know, Ray, a, a big part of Ray's, the magic of Ray is that he's able to put all of himself into every note he sings. And when I read that, I was like, oh, that's what I'm, that's, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm kind of holding back and I'm sort of like, 
performing, you know, I'm wanting to hit all the right notes and I'm wanting to have this veneer of like perfection in how I'm how I'm going about things. I need to just throw, I need to jump into the deep end and just like throw it all into everything I sing. And so that's since that point, that's the new benchmark is for me is can I just, you know, really mean every put my whole heart and soul into every single note can i do it and so to be a great musician i think you got to have so you got to have some talent you got to have some skills obviously you know what i mean but then beyond that it's like can you really put yourself <clears throat> put yourself into it um because that's what people respond to so yeah good answer <laughs> how about you g what, what yeah you know i don't really I don't think I have anything that I could add to that or do to make fun of that response. So I'm just going to let that be that. <laughs> well, I'm going to be corny and like wrap up our interview here and tell you what I think. I think that a great musician is one that um, no matter what the circumstances, you know, thrown at them or life that happens, life junk, as you were telling me before, you know, what, whatever happens. Oh, that's persevere <laughs> like you to work with what they have and use their tenacity so much think that, that really is the the mark of a great musician how you both have just mm. to persevere and make great music in all different types of situations um I, I just i think it's great what you what you've been doing so um how corny is that <laughs> hey i'll i'll take it yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll eat that corn. There you go. Good perseverance. Uh, you know, always pays off. But um, but I just want to thank you for talking with me tonight. And um, you know, and, oh, wow. and so many great stories. It was really. Oh fun. man, that's that's very uh, very humbling. I'll t I'll take it too. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. This is this is a lot of fun. Thanks for having man. us. Oh, it was it was a pleasure, and I will be in touch with you guys, and um, have a really good night. Be safe, be well. All right, thank you, Diane. Talk to you soon. Okay, take care. All right, cheers. <laughs>